Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Um, a couple of uh, – I got to give an update here because uh, we we uh, we talked about this a couple of uh, – and by the way, the last hour's topic – Still, uh, I'm going to come back to some of the elements of that in the next hour, but feel free to uh, to weigh in on that. But the um, North Carolina Democrat Party, credit where it is due. They, I mean, it took a while and took a lot of heated arguments. It took, you know, media exposure, some, yes, public shaming. But they have now officially recognized a Jewish caucus inside of their party. Yeah. The state Democrat Party officially recognized a recently formed Jewish caucus earlier this month, about, uh, well, about 10 days ago. On uh, So, yeah, two weeks ago, Sunday. A previous vote to do the same thing had failed, and it drew a lot of national attention, it drew a lot of criticism including from some prominent North Carolina Democrats. This issue of Israel and Hamas and the Palestinians and war and what exactly does an intifada mean, right? Like For most people, we know the answer to that, but this is a big question inside of the uh, Democrat Party because when you play the uh, identity politics game uh, and you are constantly rewarding uh, people for their victim status— and uh, everybody is sort of uh, jockeying to be the most oppressed demographic, then um, this is what you get. You end up pitting people against each other inside of your coalition. Do not call it a civil war. That that only happens inside the Republican Party, at least according to the media. They never – it's always Democrats in disarray, and Republicans are always pouncing and seizing uh, or having a civil war inside the Republican Party coalition. So the North Carolina Democrat Party chair, Anderson Clayton, she announced the successful vote in a statement and said that the party's recognition of the Jewish caucus sent the message that the Democrat Party will always be a big tent party after we try to stop you from getting in the tent. But eventually, with enough public shaming, yes, we will recognize you. Right? Sort of like, like the initial the initial uh, inter, or, or uh, yeah interaction or meetup. It's like uh, like when Baptists don't recognize each other in the liquor store. That's... But then eventually, like when you're in the line and you can't you you can't not say hi to each other because you're standing in line together. Then it's like, oh yeah, oh, I, I totally didn't even see you there. So that's kind of what the demo, and which is interesting because uh, Anderson Clayton. Um, first off, good for her putting down the sippy cup long enough to, uh, to issue the uh, statement, but recall when the Democrats first rejected the Jewish caucus and blocked it from being formed inside of its party, then, uh, uh, Clayton had nothing to say. Radio silent. 
there were, what was the vote? It was something like 16 to 17 with another 17 abstentions. So a whole bunch of Democrat leaders uh, and politicians, uh, you know, didn't vote initially. This time it totally passed. The party's executive committee voted 31 to 4 to approve the caucus, with four other members still abstaining. Avi Bajpai at the McClatchy newspapers, I believe uh, Avi is out of um, the Raleigh News and Observer newsroom, has a, a quote from Clayton that says, It was incredibly important to us to call this meeting to ensure the Jewish caucus gets official recognition. In a time of divisiveness and heightened emotions and fear, I am proud that tonight we made sure to go into 2024 united. That's the... Well, I mean, that is what she said. The, the North Carolina Democrat Party stands against Islamophobia, anti-Semitism... Okay, wait a minute. Why would you put Islamophobia first in that sentence? Why does Islam, And why does Islamophobia get capitalized? But anti-Semitism does not. What's up with that? Why would she issue that statement? Islamophobia or anti-Semitism is actually first alphabetically, too. So there's really no reason to put it second. And in fact, the reason why it got blocked, people were accusing others of being anti-Semitic. That should go first. Well, Islam does mean the submission to the will of Allah. So that does make sense. Submission. Peace through submission. Islam means peace by submitting to the will of Allah. But it means peace. So maybe that's why it's first. I don't know. During a vote back in November, November 12th, the committee voted here to 17 to 16 to deny the caucus formal recognition. According to Jewish Insider publication, 16 other members, including Clayton and all three of the party's three vice chairs, abstained. They refused to weigh in. They could have pushed it over, right? They could have, the, the three leaders, they could have made that happen. They could have voted yes to create the caucus, but they refused. After that initial vote, a party spokesman said that it was procedural issues. That led to the no votes. It was about process. It wasn't, it wasn't that we don't want the Jews to have their own group. Inside. And by the way, this isn't something that only the Jewish caucus has done. Like, the Democrat Party has all sorts of these caucuses. Caucai, I believe, is what they are called. Multiple, multiple, multiple caucai. Also... Uh, I believe, a character on MASH. After that initial vote, a party spokesman said that procedural issues led to many of the no votes, but Ryan Jenkins, the president of the party's progressive caucus, said that members of the Jewish caucus had, quote, done nothing but whine and play the victim and attack people and said each of the 16 votes to abstain was actually a no vote that didn't want to get targeted. Now, Avi Bajpai in the McClatchy uh, newspaper, uh, Raleigh News and Observer, but this is also published at the Charlotte Observer as well, uh, but he left out the other quote from Ryan Jenkins, where he said that the party was being controlled by the Jews. He did not have that sound effect, though, when he said it. But that's, uh, but I, uh, that's how I hear it. 
Like, if you're going to cave into them, then we're just going to be run by the Jews, just controlled by the Jews, the Jewish caucus. Because the progressive caucus has thrown their lot in with Hamas. I'm sorry, sorry, the Palestinian people. Sorry. Um, and so they, they are uh, uh, they're navigating some troubled waters here, the Democrat Party of North Carolina, as is the, uh, in, uh, the National Party, too. You just, mm, you hate to see it. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out now credit where it is due i am all about giving credit where it is due so good on the north carolina democrat party for reversing course and uh being shamed into recognizing the jewish caucus um that's a good it was a good sign not so good of a sign at a good sign which is uh, the other day, uh, Governor Cooper was doing one of the uh, uh, Hanukkah traditions, the lighting of the menorah amid this war, though. And the uh, the Democrats in disarray don't call it a civil war vibes going on inside the party. This is a little dicey. I mean, remember, they had to cancel like out west uh, Governor Gavin Newsom. He canceled the Christmas tree lighting. So I guess, like, by comparison, we're not as far gone as California. So it's always good to just check in just when you when you can, you know, use these types of measurements to make sure. Like, they canceled a Christmas tree lighting. Our governor was still able to light a menorah. Like, that seems to me like if you're worried about inflaming the... Uh, the the lefties and the Palestinians and the Hamas apologists, the Hamasologists, then I'm thinking like we're in a better spot than lighting a Christmas tree because that's not even that that's not even Judaism, you know, and they couldn't even do that. Um, I did get a message here. Jonathan says, Pete, I think you need to add some sort of a pleasant sound effect every time you mention the word Hamas, leftist. Etc. Maybe like a soothing harp strum. You're welcome. Um, I don't know. That would I think because I say I mean say a Hamas uh, a lot. I do say that a lot recently. Just since like I don't know within the last like month or so, been saying it a lot. So I don't, I don't want the whole show to be music. Probably copyright infringement laws would apply. But, oh, you know what I could do? I could merge the two words together, Hamas and leftist. Right? I could do that. Uh, what would that be? Uh, uh, a hatist. I mean, if I'm pronouncing it like H-A-T-I-S-T or a hamtist. 
hottest, hottest. Or, okay, how about this? What if I start with the word left and then slap on the A-S, a left S? I could say that. That would work. That works. I'd like, okay, well, we'll see. Um, No promises here. No promises. All right, so it's a tradition that brings families together while also sharing warmth, celebration, and light. CBS17.com's Mariah Ellis reports that Governor Roy Cooper and First Lady Kristen Cooper invited, because I don't know how she pronounces the last name. I've heard Governor Cooper, he said that it's pronounced Cooper, not Cooper. But I have not heard Kristen Cooper say that she pronounces it different. I'm not sure. Anywho, um, the governor and his wife, uh, no, and also no, she did not flip off a 12-year-old while driving to or from this event. So that's good. She's made real progress. Um, They they invited families and members of the Jewish community to gather for a menorah lighting at the North Carolina Executive Mansion. Oh, so, okay, that's why she didn't, okay, maybe, well, she wasn't driving anywhere to the event. It was at their house. So she had no opportunity to flip off. A ch- well, she could have flipped off some Jewish kids at the event, I guess. But that seems weird if she invited them to the event. She wouldn't be flipping them off. But anyway, uh, still, it's the holiday season. I'm a giver. I'm going to say good on her. Didn't flip any children off. That's a good sign. I, I, I believe they've got one of those posters uh, in the lobby of the governor's mansion and it says, you know, days since last First Lady flip-off. And they, they got the little, you know, the counter going there. So, yeah, no need to reset it. Okay, the governor took a moment. Oh, sorry. Uh, Cooper said Hanukkah brings light. Hanukkah brings joy. It brings a season of giving and gratitude. The governor took a moment with members of the North Carolina Jewish Clergy Association to also reflect on the darkness in recent months felt by an ongoing war overseas. Um, I have continued to pray every single night for the innocent Israelis and Palestinians who are suffering. The rising tide of anti-Semitism, a plague as ancient as the holiday we celebrate today, cannot be ignored. Good for Governor Cooper. Good for him. See, credit where it is due. Good for him. Raleigh's mayor, uh, Mary Ann Baldwin. She became emotional. She said, uh, recent months uh, have also come with criticism towards city officials who have taken a stand to support inclusiveness and the Jewish community. She said, quote, we are being attacked, the city officials, and I'm sure I'll be attacked tomorrow for being at this event and supporting all of you. It's important that I am here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on a second. Who's attacking you? Who would that be? Why would they be attacking you for simply attending a holiday of a constituency? Right? What, what, what did we just hear from like the, the Boston mayor and the, the electeds of color, as they call themselves? Six of the 13 Boston City Council members are of color, remember? And so they got to have their own holiday party, no whites allowed. And they say we do this all the time for all sorts of groups. Well, what would be the, why would you be attacked for simply lighting a menorah for the Jewish holiday? It's, that's a brain buster, man. I don't know. Maybe they'll get to the bottom of that. Maybe start looking first in your, uh, in your party.
This is from Pete. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. From Pete to Pete. Great name, by the way. Anyway, remember when Vi Lyles, mayor of Charlotte, said that the new light rail to the west side was going to reduce the murder rate in Charlotte by eliminating income inequality? Really? Did she say that? She said the light rail line. I don't remember this. Maybe I did. Maybe I covered it. And I just don't remember it. Did she say this? The new light rail to the west side was going to reduce the murder rate in Charlotte by eliminating income inequity. What the blankety blank does the mayor slash city slash county leadership do all day if they aren't putting public safety as a priority? While the media has us focused on the national issues, we have enough problems here at the local level. Yeah, no, that's why we cover this stuff. Uh, this is, look, I've said this for years. With all of the, I, I remember in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, a lot of people in radio were talking about the end of radio because uh, the companies had launched the quote-unquote Death Stars. Do you know what the Death Stars were? Satellite. Satellite radio. And everybody said this is going to be the end of, of radio. And I was, was bullish. I was optimistic because I recognize what radio does that satellites can't um, and even podcasts can't because, I mean, unless you're doing like a very hyper-local podcast, you can't do it. You can stream stuff live, yes, on a social media account. You can stream that stuff live, but you have to build an audience and all that. And you got to get your name out there. You got to advertise all of this other stuff. But radio is now, it's immediate, and local radio, local issues will always dominate. There's always a need for it, there's always a demand for it. And when things get bad, there's even more of a demand for it. So I've always, satellite radio. Uh, that cannot replace the national stuff, nationally syndicated stuff. And I don't, I'm not dragging anybody for this. I'm just saying that that can never replace the local content. And really, as it's always been, content is king or queen. I'm not trying to ascribe any kind of gender. I'm just saying it's that's paramount. It's the most important thing. If it's compelling and entertaining, informative content, then people will find you. Just keep doing good content. That's what I always tell uh, content creators. Um, I mean, they never ask for advice. I'm just saying I, I say that to them. Uh, and then they're like, okay, whatever. I've got like a billion followers. You don't, whatever. It doesn't matter. I'm not bitter. All right. John, we were talking about the, uh, in the first hour, we were discussing the um, facial recognition technology. Um, the Tom Cruise movie Minority Report, which WBT gave me free passes to see, by the way. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, that's that, that's where we're that's what we're approaching. Minority Report, where he's walking around and the the images cap you know captures his retinal scans and his face, and it starts marketing stuff to him. People walk through the mall, cameras recognize your face. They play an ad specifically for that person. I know you're more concerned about the police usage, but big corporation is licking their lips as well to get their hands on it. Well, I so John, this is the other that is the other element here. I'll tell you what. Let me. Well, see, now I should I should have waited. I should have waited and read this email separately. That's fine. I'll do it now. We'll do it live. We'll do it now. All right. The digital surveillance state. Yes, you have this whole police state component going on, right? 
government government controlling like DNA databases, but also the the facial recognition, the collection of all this ID and data. You're never you're never going off the grid, and everything you've ever done or said is being captured, and will be known by government and business, big business, corporations, right? This is from um, Christian Schneider, National Review, and he's talking about the technology, the value that it has provided in catching criminals, but this is a huge power to grant government, but also private sector actors too. Like, look at, right, so China has been using the facial recognition technology to identify political dissidents walking down the street. And it's gotten so precise that now it can find people who are even wearing sunglasses and masks. Ooh, wait, maybe we could use it to now. Can we use it to identify the people that were that were doing the fiery but mostly peaceful protests of love? The problem is Americans have grown perfectly comfortable being surveilled at all times. Cameras on street corners and in businesses record our every move. Colleges encourage students to inform on one another in case somebody in a private conversation says something that annoys them or offends the listener. People happily post details of their personal lives, such as when they're on vacation or what they're spending their money on, hoping it gets them more attention, not less. The curve is bending toward less privacy, not more. A recent survey taken by the Cato Institute found 30% of Gen Z's, people under the age of 30, support allowing the government to install video cameras in people's homes to reduce domestic violence, abuse, and other illegal activity, which is literally right out of George Orwell's 1984. Literally. The problem has got libertarians and uh, small government types in a bit of a pickle. On the one hand, we support all the innovation and progress brought to us by the free market. Freedom is the surest way to prosperity for everybody, right? But what if that entrepreneurship also leads to the loss of our freedom to move about or to make private transactions without government snooping? A technological surveillance state could be a much safer one, right? Maybe that's why we rarely hear of serial killers anymore, too. But what are the trade-offs here? A society that picks safety over privacy is going to end up with neither and the effects will be irreversible. Russ says the liberty for safety trade never works out the way people hope. We just trade a chance of danger for a guarantee of danger from government and other busybodies. There was a fairly recent survey that found a significant number of young people, right, that were willing, right, to have cameras in their homes for safety. If you allow them to monitor and control you 24/7, it's only a matter of time before you are on the criminal before you are the criminal that needs to be punished. I would rather have the gate agent offering passengers their choice of weapon on a tray than all of the privacy we have sacrificed and hassles we have gained in the name of security. Okay, I don't know if I'm going to go that far, Russ. I get your point, but I don't know if I'm I don't know if I want them handing out weapons because what if I'm last in line, you know? What if I am last in line and now all the good weapons get taken? Then what? Like I get stuck with a trident, you know? Like like brick in the documentary Anchorman, 
And like, how do you wield that thing on a plane? That's impossible. Where do you even store it? Doesn't fit in the overhead. And I'm last, so I'm like, there's going to be no room up there whatsoever. Plus, if I need it, I can't get to it. So I just wait. It, I, yeah. I would prefer that, uh, you know, people, uh, if you, you get certain permits to carry, then, then you'd be allowed to carry like that. That might be a better way of going. Um, on the um, on the Israel Hamas war, get this from Bloomberg.com. I feel like I'm a, I feel like I'm doing a very positive show today. You know, you get the sense that this is yeah. I, I'm not saying I'm always doom and gloom, pessimistic Pete here or anything. I'm you know I, I like to think I'm more of a realist. You know, you're very much a giver today. Well, thank you. Right. Yeah, so it's Friday. Yeah. Like some people look at the glasses half full and I know that's not me. And but some people then say, oh, you got to look at it half empty. But no, I just look at it. I don't look at it half full or half empty. I look at it as, you know, fairly polluted. That's, I'm a realist. This is what I'm saying. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> so here's here's some here's some good news out of Gaza. I am. See, the problem is I've been watching a lot of British Talking head people about this, uh, talking about the Israel Hamas, and they they keep calling it Hamas, Hamas. Which if I if I call it that, people would start wondering like, why am I calling it that? Is there a reason? Am I do, am I doing it for the for the LOLs? Am I doing it for the jokes, for the laughs? And yes, I would be totally. I would absolutely be doing that for the laughs. The zone of Hamasery. Hmm. One might play that. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, yeah. One might, yes, one might be able to. There's a lot of crossover. I'm just saying there's a lot of crossover. Anyway, <laughs> let me get to this good news. It starts with a quote. This is from Bloomberg.com by Fares Agul and Ethan Bronner. Quote, I am Yusuf Mahmoud Hamad Almansi. He looks into the camera and he says he is the former Minister of Communication and Housing for Hamas. Which is an interesting department to be, a ministry to be in charge of. Communication and housing. Like, what, you, you put those two together? Interesting. Anyway, this guy says, they destroyed the Gaza Strip. And he's talking about Hamas's chief, Yahya Sinwar. His last name is literally Sinwar. Sin War. I'm not kidding. And his first name is Yahya, which is kind of funny. But anyway, um, this is what this is what the guy, the former minister of comms and housing, he's blaming Hamas. People in Gaza say that Sinwar and his group destroyed us. We must get rid of them. The 14-minute video, part of an Israeli-led propaganda campaign. That's this is Bloomberg saying this, which by the way. Uh, does Hamas engage in propaganda? Do they do propaganda campaigns? I, I see no reference to that terminology in Bloomberg's content, but whatever. Um, this is a campaign to discourage its enemy and boost its own people, which, you know, organiza- or countries do during war and all. Um, it was posted this week without elaboration by Israel's Shinbet Security Agency. While Almansi's statements may have been coerced, unlike all of those hostage videos uh, that Hamas released, there is really, uh, there is reason to believe that Gazans are growing more disillusioned with Hamas, or at least more emboldened to criticize it as Israel's punishing war grinds through its 10th week. 
Such a shift in mood might not have an immediate impact, but but if Israel's military campaign were to end without a clear victory, civilians could feel empowered to rise up against the Islamic group. Mm-hmm. Okay. The vast majority of the Strip's 2.2 million inhabitants have been displaced at least once since the uh, invasion. More than 18,000 people, most of whom are women and children, have been killed, according to the Hamas-run health industry or health ministry. See right there, not, not part of a propaganda campaign? No? That's it? No? I guess not. I guess it's different. Because Jews, I guess.